What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Official Visit, the podcast about college baseball recruiting by players for players. I'm Jared Penniman, and I want to talk real quick about today's sponsor, Chin Music. Are you players tired of all of the bats looking the same these days? Looking for your bat in a big blue wall of Meta Primes can be incredibly exhausting, and that's where Chin Music comes in with fully customizable bat knob decals. Their decals are high quality and resistant to anything you throw at it, whether it be dirt, sunflower seeds, or that post-game walk-off Gatorade shower. To shop pre-made designs or create your own, visit www.chinmusic.store and use code OFFICIAL for 20% off your next order. That's www.chinmusic.store. Chin Music, your bat, your story. Today's episode, guys, is our fifth and final episode for our coaches series, and we have Biola University head coach Jeff Calhoun. Biola was ranked as the number two team in the last West Region poll behind only UCSD, and they were also ranked nationally in the last poll at the eighth spot. Coach Calhoun played his college ball at Niagara in New York and then spent some time coaching at Point Loma Nazarene, Westmont, and UCSD before taking the head coaching job at Biola. In this episode, we're going to talk with Coach Calhoun about what he looks for in a Biola University recruit and how considering the location of the school can help you get to the next level, along with how early Coach Calhoun starts looking at his recruits. And we hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and if you do, please share it and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to find out more information about this episode or any of our previous episodes, check out our website at officialvisitpod.com. So let's go. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Um, I want to just basically start with uh, Biola Division Two program. What what are you looking for in a player when you're out there looking for recruits? Yeah, I think for us, Biola University is a, is a unique place. Um, I mean, obviously, being a faith based institution for us, I mean, we're looking for guys who obviously want to have some sort of interest in growing in their faith. Um, for us, I mean, Biola does stand for the Bible Institute of Los Angeles is what that acronym is. So Biola is actually an acronym. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but for us, you know, we're looking for guys who want to play baseball at a high level, academically want to get a really good degree. And then from the base or from the faith side of things, they got to grow in their faith. Like I said, kind of has three buckets that we're trying to fill here. And to an extent, some, you know, fill certain buckets more than others. But then from a baseball side of thing, I believe for us, what we're looking for is, is fringy division one players. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people talk about that and, you know, that's always kind of been the mantra for us is we always are looking for guys who are just maybe, maybe don't stand out to be a power five type of guy. Maybe they're undersized to start right now. Maybe they're not filling out yet. Maybe they're just not physically developed yet to go to the next level. But for us, that's where, you know, we can help develop that in our, in our sports performance area here with our strength and conditioning coach or athletic trainers, like we can help them develop there. Or really, I think the fringy guy, and I think we were kind of talking about earlier is, you know, they're usually missing one of those five tools that you talk about. There's they're five tool players. And, you know, for us, you know, even talk about our own guys, you know, talking to scouts and, you know, they see our guys and, you know, for us, we talk about it a lot and they, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's really good, but there's one, you know, kind of standing tool that's missing. And so for us, that's where we got to do a better job of just, you know, when we recruit and we develop guys, that's what we're looking for is how can we make them better? And maybe they aren't the, you know, sexiest girl in the room or the best looking girl to go to prom with right away. But for us, you know, we talk about we're going to develop guys and we're going to win at the end. So that's what we're trying to do. Kelly, can you go more into the idea of of the fringy D1 player? Um, I know that's essentially like every winning program that's not in Division One, like D2, D3, NAIA, like that's that's what they're looking for, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I guess I guess my definition of a 
fringy D1 guy is someone who's got talent, but maybe not have the size. I think I could describe myself as, as a fringy D1 guy um, back when, when I was in high school where I, I had the talent. I just, you know, 5'10", 155 at a Division One program doesn't necessarily cut it. Um, can you, mm-hmm. So can you describe what a fringy D1 guy looks like um, for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I, like I was saying, I mean, I think there's usually – Maybe they're undersized. I mean, we have a couple freshmen for us that, you know, if you look at them, I mean, they don't pass the eyeball test. And that's just – that's okay. And I think for us, you know, one of them's 5'7", 165, 170. But he has a really plus tool in a runnability. I mean, he's, he's like a 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, runner in the 60. But he also can play every position except for first and catch on the field. And so for us, it's like, hey, you know, that's something – we can work with that. I mean, we can work with the utility guy that can come in and play in the middle infield. If we need him to, he can also go play center and go run down, a, go run down a fly ball at any time. Like that's something that we're looking for on the flip side of that. We got a six foot four, 160 pound freshman outfielder who's very similar. Same type of thing is really great runner, left-handed bat. But when you go and watch him in a high school game, he's probably not the first guy you're going to look at. And for us, I mean, he's had a great, that, that kid's had a great fall for us. I think he's like three for five in our live games and just stealing, stealing bags, mm-hmm. just clutch hits. It's been the funniest thing. But then, I mean, for us, the other on the flip side of that, you know, some uh, the rest of our freshmen, we have a bunch of guys that are, you know, when you walk into a room, you're like, oh, okay, like this guy looks like a player. Like this guy is physical. He is six foot two, 210 pounds. But again, same type of thing he looks the part, but there's something missing. And so that's where I think for us, the other, the kind of unique thing for us is some of our most, our physical guys that have the tools that are having really good falls for us this year, especially, you know, being our first recruiting class here at Biola, the guys that are having a ton of success and are developing really well are our two sport guys. And that's where, you know, they've done the football baseball combo. So they've done the football lifting for four years of high school and then they get to us, and now it's just baseball and lifting. That's all they're doing. So I think that's where for us, now they're able to focus and they're able to grow. And I think that's where, again, that, that kind of makes a fringy guy sometimes because he's not on the circuit. He's not mm-hmm. going to showcases every weekend. Mm-hmm. He's playing two sports. And really one of them actually played three sports up until his senior year. And he was like, he was a football, wrestling, baseball. And it's like, to me, I was like, hey, man, like we're, you're a good baseball player right now in high school, wait till we just have you become a baseball player. Like you're now you're going to learn the nuances of it. Now you're going to learn that some specific technique as opposed to like, Hey, you're going to go be the leadoff guy in the, or the two hitter in the first fastball you see swing as hard as you can. And that was kind of his, I mean, that's <laughs> maybe that's the approach for him that works, but that that's what he got told in high school. And it's like, all right, that's, that's fine. But you know, here they're probably going to throw you a breaking ball at some point in time. I mean, <laughs> just a just an observation and you know <laughs> we got to be able to teach you that and so i think that's for us like again there there's a couple different ways to make fringy guys but i think like you said joe i mean the undersized player is usually the big one that's usually the one that guys are like oh like i'm not really sure and for us the nice thing about you know division two i think is you know if you want to have success and i think you guys saw that also at chapman um when you guys wanted the 19 if you want to have success you have success with older players and guys that have been around a program for multiple years and are developed and experienced. And I mean, I just, you know, thinking back to you being there and thinking back to kind of that recruiting class leading up to it in 16 um, with some, with some players there like Austin Merrill and then in 18, um, why am I blanking on your guys' third baseman's name? Little guy, they could pick it. Yep. I mean, all those guys, I mean, I remember going to seeing those guys on the road because me and coach Fox and coach Laverty and, Coach McMullen, we're all on the road. We all do the same circuit in the summer. And so we're recruiting high academic kids. Those guys were high academic kids. And, you know, they ended up going to Chapman. But seeing them develop and seeing them be ready to play, you're going to have that kind of rarity where a freshman does step in and is able to make an impact. But for us, we we talk about with these guys, like, hey, it's a five-year, not even five-year plan from when we're recruiting you. But it's understanding, like, hey, there's a plan in place for you to be successful in our program. You just have to trust that it might not be day one walking on campus being the guy. It might be year three of your – it might be your junior 
you know, midway through your junior season where something finally clicks that we've been trying to work on for two and a half years. And all of a sudden you're in the lineup every day and you're a guy. And I think being humble enough to understand that that's where some of these guys are really good at it. And I think there's some parents that do have an effect on that where they can, I think I was listening to coach Wazikowski talk about this in the podcast this week about, you know, junior college baseball and parents, I think he said it best. It was like, parents don't want to go to wine night with their neighbors and talk about their son is playing baseball at a junior college or at a small division three or at a <laughs> small division two. They want to talk about going to Oregon. They want to talk about going to a big power five division one. That's where they're going to get their, mm-hmm. you know, that's where they're going to feel important where, I mean, you go to some of these junior college games or like we talked about before. I mean, you talk, you go to any of these kind of non division ones that are in this Fullerton area of, you know, Chapman and orange or, uh, us here in Biola, you go over to Hope and Fullerton. Like, there, you go on a Friday afternoon to those games. Like, you are going to see some really good baseball. And again, it might not be the biggest name brand in the world, but I think that's where like these fringy guys. They there's also a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with those guys for us. Like they they think they they know guys that are at big time schools and they think they're better than those guys player and ability wise. So they just take that chip, and that's where mm. we love those guys. <laughs> those guys that got a little chip on their shoulder. If you're listening to this podcast, give me a call. Like, I love those guys. Those <laughs> guys are my favorites, man. Kelly, what you mentioned, um, just kind of the, the area of, of the Los Angeles area. I mean, Chapman, mm-hmm. Iola, Fullerton, USC, UCLA, the list goes on, all the JCs. Mm-hmm. You know, if I – it was something that Nick Garcia talked about in our podcast with him. It was, it was when you're making your decision, you have to understand what you're trying to get out of the college. Right. And for him, the route for him was always, I'm going to play pro ball and I'm going to be great. I'm going to be a hall of famer, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was always a goal. And he goes to Chapman, you know, he works with Eddie, our pitching coach and yep. he becomes a dude, right. Because he needed those two years of development. And then he's in this hotbed of Southern California baseball where, you know, he doesn't have to worry about scouts deciding which D1 they're going to go to because he's throwing at 3 o'clock on Fridays and the scouts can go watch the D1 guys at 6 or 7, whatever it mm-hmm. may be. And, I mean, is that the for you guys? I know you guys get – I know you guys – or I know you get guys out – Um. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a really good conversation. I mean, and I think that's something that we, you know, we don't we don't necessarily use that in the recruiting process. But I mean, I can tell you, you know, we got guys, we got a guy in our program who came out from the East Coast, um, and we were talking about pro ball and just you know what his aspirations are. I mean, he wants to be a big leaguer, same type of thing, kind of like you're talking about Nick. And he was like, Coach, we had scouts at our pro day in November. And then I never saw a scout again for the first 20 games of last year when I was on the East Coast. And I was like, that's wild, man. And he's like, yeah, like, I mean, what? And he was at a, you know, four-year college. And I was like, well, he's like, well, what about here? And I was like, I mean, we got guys showing up to practice. Like, that's just how it is. I mean, we got guys showing up and, you know, watching the back end of a bullpen and they're parking behind the field watching bullpens. Like, they just show up. And for us, it's – I think every university is different with how – Every coach is different with how they operate their practice. For me, it's, I mean, my job is to help our players play the best baseball they can, maximize their ability, and let them play this great game as long as they can. Mm-hmm. And that's my job for them individually with them. And so for me, it's, I mean, why wouldn't I want a, a scout to come to practice or come to a game? And so for us, we're unique here where our Fridays, our double headers start at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same thing as you. I mean, we don't have – major scheduling conflicts when we played 11 a.m. Uh, there's, I mean, unfortunately, I think the worst part of scheduling conflicts for us is scouts don't want to show up to 8 a.m. for BP. That might be the worst part. Um, or the freshman that is dragging the hose around the field trying to get the dew off at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. One of those kind of job. one of those two people are not very happy about the time. But, <laughs> I mean, other than that, you know, they are – they're able to get what they need to see at 11 a.m. And then, like you said, they're able to then go to Chapman at three or then they're able to go to Fullerton mm-hmm. at six or Long Beach State at six. And there's no – I mean, they're able to go to high school games and JC games because the the crazy part for me and 
we used to do this at UC San Diego, and this is something, you know, working with JT Blowworth, who's a, one of the best recruiting guys, I think, in the country, and just been a huge mentor for me uh, to work with and work under at UCSD those three years was, you know, we would go to games at 11 a.m. or like a one o'clock game for JC games, and we'd see the starter on a Friday, and then we played night games at UCSD because we had lights, and so we'd play at 6, 6.30. And so we would go watch a game for an hour and then get in the car, drive home, and get ready, get in the locker room, throw on our pants, get ready to go, go run batting practice, and then we're, you know, business as usual. But Mm -hmm. I think the same thing applies for the scouts on that. And Southern California is so unique in that way where everything's so close. And I think that's where I think kids get distracted when – you know, sometimes it's like, hey, you know, there's a mid-major school in the Midwest or the Northeast or the Southeast or whatever it is that I can go play at when you have an opportunity to play at a really high level of baseball locally. And I think that's where it's kind of humbling for some families is like, hey, you could take a roster spot to, you know, somewhere in Southern California, or you can go take scholarship money to um, somewhere anywhere outside of Southern California, I would say, or outside of the state of California or Arizona, mm-hmm. where the weather's good. You're going to play outside all the time. Uh, as I, you know, had to pull a tarp off the field this, yesterday morning for scrimmage, whatever. You know, our <laughs> first time rolling the tarp out since March. Um, but I mean, for us, you can have that or you can go take money somewhere else. I think there's obviously financial aid issues. Like everybody's going to check, you know, what's affordable for your family? What do you qualify for? What are your opportunities? But I think you do have to look in the mirror and say, like, hey, what am I looking for in my college experience? If you're looking for, you know, a Garcia type of experience or like what you guys have had at Chapman, you're going to play a really high level of baseball in Southern California at a really good Division three school. Or you could go play somewhere that's going to win 15 games, what's going to pay you a lot of money. And I think that's where, you know, that that's the conversation we have with, with guys. And we here at Biola, like we also reward in-house a lot. And mm-hmm. so we have guys that come in that are on no money and by their junior year, they're on a lot of money. And, you know, we just, we try to take care of our own. And that's something, you know, this year we, we went out and recruited a lot just because we lost a lot and we transitioned a lot after our first year. But for us, I mean, we have our signing period starting uh, tomorrow. We have our dead period going into effect with how the NCAA eligibility center with the signing day is coming up this week. Mm-hmm. And we're only signing four guys. I mean, and so it, we signed four guys and realistically, we're probably going to sign eight to nine in this class, realistically, depending on how some of these guys want to use their extra year. But that's more what we want to recruit. We don't want to recruit 20 guys a year. Because mm-hmm. right. for us, if we have to do that every year, one, that's exhausting. Two, that's stressful. Three, there's so much turnover that it's it's really difficult to create a culture. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we want to keep you know, our freshmen, even if we redshirt them, like, we want them here. We want them to be here for four years. We want them to be here for five years. We want them to be taken care of. And if that means, you know, it's going to take an extra year or two to get better, that's what we're trying to do. But I do think, like you guys have said, I mean, Southern California, there's just something about it, man. I mean, I, I like it because I can get done with a game. At, I mean, we don't have lights here, so we're done with the game at 530. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a baseball junkie, and I'll just get in the car and go. I'll go watch a Fullerton game. And go watch, you know, what are they doing? How are they running their offense? And how are they running their, you know, what are they doing with first and third defense? And, you know, I just, I like, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I get to coach in Southern California. So, I mean, I can't imagine playing down here. That'd be sick. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Kelly, I, you mentioned, you know, guys not being on money as they come in. And then by the time they're junior, senior, they're on a lot of money. You know, what's that conversation like with parents? Um, mm-hmm. about, you know, like helping them make it work financially for them. What's that conversation like? Yeah, so, I mean, we're not usually having that conversation with kids that aren't getting academic money or aren't getting a good package. Uh, I'm not straight up asking somebody to pay $40,000 in tuition. Here. Right. That's just ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a very, you know, I'm a, I'm a very frugal person. I'm a very penny pitching kind of guy too. So I get it as a, as a parent trying to go through this process, I can't imagine how hard that is. I can imagine it as a 20 year old in junior college trying to make sure, you know, he's making the right decisions on how to save money. I know how that is. And so that's where, for me, we, we talk a lot about, Hey, 
it's just like a, your first job. That That's kind of how we describe it. Like, Hey, you know, for us, you've never played a college game, never done anything yet. So for us, we don't know how it's going to go. And so for some of them, when we offer little to no money or smaller scholarships or guaranteed roster spots, it's like, Hey, listen, we believe in you. We think you're going to make a huge impact in this program right now. The numbers just don't add up for us to put, to maybe put you on scholarship right away. But you know, it's just like your first job. It's like your first job's not going to come in the door and pay it $500,000. It's just not going to happen. And a lot of jobs, your first one's not going to pay you six figures unless you go to a Chapman or unless you go to an MIT or unless you go to some really good academic school. It's an upper level opportunity. But for us, like this is your starting salary. Like your starting salary is a small scholarship, right? And if you do what we believe you think we believe you can do here, that's the lowest. Like, that's not where it's going to end four years from now. And that's, you know, for us, it kind of also gives them an incentive to incentive to our guys that are non-scholarship guys to work hard because we, I mean, if I had, I mean, I think it's the classic line that every coach believes in. If I had a million dollars or an unlimited scholarship fund, I'd give everybody money. It'd be like, of course, I love all of my kids. I love everybody that's on my, on my team. I love everybody that's here. I want to make it easy and affordable for him. Um, and has that resulted in me, you know, being called to the principal's office, as we call it here, with going to – because I go to financial aid, and I'm like, hey, like, can we, can we make a – how can we make this package better for this kid? This kid's got some stuff. Like, how can we help him? And does that mean I get called to the principal's office for caring too much about my kids and trying to save money for him? Absolutely. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. If that's where I get in trouble, I'm always going to fight for our kids, and our kids know that. And so that's the hard part is, you know, it is a difficult conversation because you're talking about dollars and cents and you are asking families to make a huge sacrifice. And I tell them too, it's like, Hey, if you have to go somewhere that's going to give you more money and it comes down to the dollars and cents, like I get, but I also can't have five first basemen on scholarship. Like that's just not going to happen. And, you know, I mean, there's just some logistics of it and we have a, you know, we have a spreadsheet that we use here that, projects out to now it's 20 to what our roster is going to look like in 2023 2024 spring and what money is spent and how much the percentages are and what we're spending what on and that way we know you know okay we're you know we're spending too much at first base uh that was something we showed up and we had i think it was five first five guys that played first base on scholarship here and i was like well that's a tough thing because only one of them can play first at, at a time so Unfortunately, none of them really played another position and they all played first base or DH. So then you're like, okay, well, you know, we have 25, theoretically speaking, let's say 20, 25% of our scholarship as a program is invested into one position player spot. Like that's a problem. Like that's not how Mm -hmm. we've had success at the programs we've been before. And so we've had to make adjustments, but it's a, uh, I think as a young head, as a young assistant coach, it was a very uncomfortable conversation to be like, Hey, um, we're going to offer you a roster spot or we're going to offer you little dollars and cents. Um, then working at UC San Diego where it's like, Hey, you know, we're working with one scholarship at one of the best D two programs in the country. Like you're going to get a thousand dollars. Like that's your baseball money. Like you get to sign a letter of intent on a thousand dollars. Like it's what we have. We have $30,000 to spend that when we were still division two and, I mean, I tell guys all the time, like, Hey, we're giving you five. Like we think you're worth, you know, basically 18% of our program. Like we think you're that good, man. Like 18% of our program is invested in you. Like, so it's, it was, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's gotten better now with them as, as they've transitioned to visual one, but that was, uh, going through that and learning that process. That was, I think that definitely toughened my skin up a little bit. And, um, but it was, man, it was, uh, now it's a lot better. Now it's a lot better. I mean, again, our coaching staff knows what we're doing here. We know who fits here. We know, you know, certain guys, you know, there's kids that have already, like, I mean, even this year, there's kids that have applied to school here that we've talked to a little bit, but are like, hey, we really want to be at Biola. Like, I want to play baseball at Biola. And if you give me a chance, I'm going to take this opportunity. And so some kids, you don't have to really have freak out about how that conversation is going to go because they're, they're bought in. They're sold on the school they're sold on 
the academics, they're sold on the baseball, they're sold on the whole package. And it's really easy to do that. And that's where, you know, we joke. I mean, I got a lot of really good friends that are division three coaches and I talk about it all the time. I was like, Hey man, like you guys got, you guys might have better facilities actually than a lot of us that have scholarship. And I don't know which one I'd want more <laughs> actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I mean, some of your guys' stuff is sick. It's like, Hey, your, your unis are pretty, you got a ton of swag and you got a great facility. Like, man, we got two t-shirts and a pair of shorts, but they, you got scholarship. Congratulations. Like, I don't know. You got to pick like, yeah. I guess there, which one do you want when you're non power five division one, what do you want your money in? So and so Callie you you kind of were going into a little bit the difference of kind of what you've implemented from programs that you've passed coach at like Point Loma and UCSD but how has that transition into being a head coach now recruiting at Biola and having a ton of success in your first year how has that success helped in further recruiting now because you talked about success is helpful in in recruiting and word of mouth and stuff like that how have you seen kind of a shift in that and where do you see those differences no, kind of playing out question. going I think forward for me you know i go even back further than that i think learning how to recruit when i was at westmont college with robert ruiz and uh, anthony cagool i mean tc's now the one of the pitching assistant coaches with the cubs and robert's still there and he's i mean the winningest coach in westmont history he's been there i think for like nine years as a head coach, I mean, he, you know, I learned a ton from those guys. And I think that's worked for me, even taking the three buckets idea of, Hey, you know, there's your faith, there's the academic and there's the baseball. And how do we recruit with those three buckets in mind, our kids. And that's where I learned that from. And, you know, just being around people that are extremely competitive and want to win. And how do we recruit kids that fit that mold at a Christian college where, I do think sometimes there is, excuse me, a, uh, I would say a, a vibe or a this idea that you can't compete and be tough and be a Christian at the same time. And I think you go and look at Dallas Baptist and what Coach Eichner's done there, and you look at some really great faith-based programs. I mean, that's what I learned at Westmont, and that's what we took with us, you know, and applied it here. And working at UC San Diego, I think the biggest thing I learned from them that we've implemented is it's okay to be told no. And it's okay. I mean, I think you want to recruit to the point where you are getting told no sometimes. And it's usually because, Hey, no, I'm looking at X, Y, Z power five school or high level division one school. Okay. Like I get that. Like that makes sense to me. If I get an opportunity and if I'm an 18 year old kid and I'm getting an opportunity to pick between, you know, Long Beach state and Biola, like I get it. Like it's, you know, the big West is a pretty cool opportunity to play in. That's a really good league. And, you know, we would say when we were recruiting kids to UC San Diego, same thing. It was like, hey, you're going to play in the Big West when you play here for us. If you're in the starting lineup in the Big West, you have a legitimate chance to be a professional baseball player. If you're just in the starting lineup, not even the three hitter or the number one, if you're just in the lineup, you could be the eight hitter. Mm-hmm. You still got a shot because of how great and tough this league is. And so I, I get it. I mean, and so for that was something I learned with JT. Like JT really just – pushed me to be relentless and to be okay being told no and to help he built my he helped me build my network too because for me I was really good in the northwest um being from there being a local knowing who's who and a lot of guys that I played with or played against when they were young coaches or still head coaches or now are young head coaches up there so for me there's this little network and pocket that I'm able to use from a recruiting side of things and then coming down here JT Really got me into the NorCal Junior College circuit. I wasn't very familiar with it, being obviously not from here. Um, for me in Southern California, I I felt like I had done a pretty good job. But then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to Arizona and you're going to Vegas and you're going to places to recruit. And you're like, man, like, I had no idea these towns even existed. And I'm, I, I like to consider myself a little bit of a geography nerd. Um, our coaching staff knows that, that, you know, if you name a town on a map, I'm usually pretty good at figure, being able to tell you where it is. Um, which is kind of an odd, you know, random trick I can pull out of my pull out of my hat like when I'm when we're bored. Like, hey, you know, like where's the the joke in the house a couple weeks ago is we'll play where in where in the world is this city? And it was like 
Oslo. It's like Norway. Done. Next. Like <laughs> no question. Like and it was just like they were. Everybody in the house was just like, "Wait, how? How'd you know that that fast?" Like I don't know. I just it's my thing. I just I like studying maps, and it's a weird weird side hustle that I do. Um, quick way to make cash. <laughs> and so yeah, I think for us, we you know that was with JT just getting to know people, and all of a sudden now you know I can. I get phone calls from Buffalo, New York on kids. I get calls from Boston. I get calls from DC and Virginia and Illinois and just random places that, you know, you just all of a sudden have a network that you can use whenever you want recruiting wise. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I didn't realize how valuable that was until then going to Point Loma and you're trying to rebuild, you know, a a brand, I think would be the way we described it as, Hey, you know, Point Loma kind of had the beach vibe. Everybody knew that. And Hey, we're going to build, a different type of brand of development and, and you know a lot of data correlation stuff like that that was what we wanted to do and um i think the thing i learned there was with especially with a position group that you weren't super comfortable with evaluating trusting other coaches in your program and that so for me learning pitching you know working for justin james at point loma i mean he was i mean he's one of the best pitching guys in the country everybody knows that and you know, for me, it was really easy working with him at UC San Diego because Coach Blowworth and I would go on the road and we would look at pictures and be like, that looks right. Take a video, send it to Justin. Justin would be like, yep, I like that. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go. And it was really easy. And, um, you know, for me, I was a, I'm a really relational guy. That's one of my, you know, leadership strengths is that I, I, I like building relationships. I like that in the recruiting process. And um, that's when I would take it over and just start rolling and get to know kids and get to know families, coaches, mm-hmm. grandma, grandpa, whatever. And then, you know, working for Justin, it was like, Hey, you're the head coach now. Like, Hey, I still got a question. And it was like, no, 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 you got to learn it. And so then, you know, I got better, I think learning what to look for. And, and now for us, I mean, I think what's been really unique is transitioning from the assistant coach recruiting level to now being the head coach in the recruiting level is obviously one, you do have to have a little more of a 30,000 foot view of, okay. Like we talked about earlier with, you know, our Excel sheet of of scholarship dollars, like, okay, I know how much money we have. I know how much money we have left. Here's our needs. I understand that this, you know, position specific player X, you know, outfielder, catcher, first baseman, whatever, third baseman is really exciting to watch, but we cannot spend money here right now. And we can spend money in a year or there, but we cannot spend it right now. And then you're trying to have to, you're, you're having to be bad guy a little more. Um, and as the guy who was on the road recruiting all the time, I was like, well, I don't think you understand how dynamic this player is with us. And so that was always my, you know, mm-hmm. one liner back being the young, uh, I guess, oh, to, oh, big mouth assistant coach, like <laughs> telling, telling the head coach that they don't know what they're talking about. And so that's, uh, I think for me, then all of a sudden you go out on the road and uh, for me, I like being on the road. I like recruiting. I like being in the trenches. I like being, that's what I like to do. And I had a, I had a moment as my first year, I think the way I describe it is, you know, I'm, I think it was like the end of September, my first year here last year. And so I had gotten hired first week of July, I took the job. So I'd been on the road all summer. And then, you know, from basically middle of August till end of September, I hadn't been on the road. And I went to my first recruiting event and it was mostly a head coaches event. And I'm sitting with some head coaches and I'm talking to one of them that I really look up to as a mentor to me. And, you know, we're, we're chatting and he's like, Hey, like I haven't seen you out. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been trying to balance a budget and, you know, trying to understand practice, like trying to do a better job with our, fundraising and the administrative side of things, working in the office more. He's like, were you, are you able to go to the field and do early work at all really anymore? And I'm like, no, like I'm, you know, doing administrative work and fundraising and, you know, doing all like wearing the right hat. And he's like, well, what about recruiting? I was like, oh, you know, I haven't, I couldn't, I haven't, I couldn't tell you last time I made a recruiting call. I couldn't tell you last time I've been on the road. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I think that's where for me, I, I lost it. You know, I lost touch with what the school hired me to do. And what made me really good at what I was before as an assistant coach, what made me successful as an assistant coach. And for me, it was being in the, being on the field, developing guys and recruiting and building relationships. Those are the kind of four things that make me who I am. And he, he kind of reminded me like, Hey man, you got to do what you're really good at or else you're going to get fired really fast. Cause they didn't hire you to balance the budget. That's not what your skill set is. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was a communications major. I wasn't an accounting major. So this is not for me. 
And so I got I had to just get back into it. And I love our assistant coaches, Ben Cordy and CJ Baker, Ryan Sires, Ryan Crow. The four of us, I mean, we have a really good time. And I trust those guys. I mean, I think they know they know what fits with us from a personality standpoint. They know what fits with us from a talent standpoint. And so for me, I don't have to do a lot of the first calls. I don't have to do kind of that cold call, get to know somebody and see, you know, hey, is this even something you want to look at? That's not really my role anymore. And, you know, my role is usually call number two or, you know, I kind of get if I don't get them talk to them on the phone before we meet them, like, you know, that's I, I'm the one that has to decide at the end of the day that we're going to give you a dollar or give you money, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, or give you a roster spot. Because for me, we talk a lot about it. It's like you might be the best player, but are you the right fit for us? I mean, and that's where for us, you know, we've we've kind of shown that with where we recruit. I mean, we go into West, we go into East L.A. now. We go into, you know, South Count, South, you know, the south part of San Diego. We go into Central Valley. We go into Stockton. I mean, that's that's where we like Sacramento. That's where we like the players from. They just got a little bit of a, a gritty toughness to them, and I like mm-hmm. it. And they fit us, you know, Riverside County um san gabriel valley that's where we've kind of started to make a staple of like hey this is where we're coming from and we like it and our guys like it and the kids we've brought in they all get along and they love it they love competing against each other and it's a good time um and so coach baker and cj you know and ben and ron and the two ryans they know what i like they know who's going to fit with us personality wise they know that some days, you know, I'm going to jump guys and I'm going to, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a problem with when we drop 35 baseballs in a practice, that's not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to get on them some days and they need to be able to have that tough, that thick skin to understand like, Hey, you know, coach is trying to challenge me to be better. He's not just yelling at me to yell at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where I think for us, like we just learned personalities, what fit, what kind of player fits in our offense, what kind of player fits in our pitching staff, to defensively what we're trying to do. And I think that's what I learned from UCSD is you got to recruit to your system. And, you know, it's really easy for us at UC San Diego to recruit big, powerful right-handed bats. Like, hey, we're going to be really big. And it was like, well, the ball doesn't jump to left at night. It's, you know, it's about 50 degrees in the, and you got the ocean – uh, marine layer coming in at night like you need to get left-handed hitters because the ball jumps to right we need to be left-handed and we need to be able to pitch mm-hmm. if we can't pitch hit left-handed that's not we're not gonna be very successful and you just gotta learn what works for you for us you know we want to pitch at a high level for us we want to defend at a high level i think the data shows that 14 of the last 15 teams in the west region to go to the world series were the top defensive field had the top fielding percentage in the region and so for me, it was like, okay, that there's your ding, ding, ding. There's your stat to recruit to. I mean, we can we can hit 150 home runs, but if we can't defend, like we're not going to win a lot of games, right? And so that's where, well, as we're doing burpees for dropping baseballs right now, it's a good time. So it's uh, those 35 drops yesterday. As the guys listen to this podcast this week, they'll remember it. They, <laughs> they know they know how many drops they had every day when we do our burpees. So I tell them if we're not going to be good. We're going to be in really good shape. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of the two. So, um, but yeah, that's that's the different things I picked up from those places. So, I absolutely love that. Um, I think, you know, when I look at people in the recruiting process, like you could have a dream school, and let's say it doesn't work out, and you know, if it doesn't work out, it, it might be for the right reason because maybe you just you wouldn't have been happy at that school. Like because when I hear about what you look for in a player. You want those gritty guys. You want those guys that'll outwork anyone. And not that they're not talented, but like some guys like just don't have that grittiness in them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess my next question is, what do you think is the most, I guess, or at least understood thing in the recruiting process? Because in my opinion, it's, it's the idea that coaches aren't looking for the best players. They're looking for the right players, like you just explained. What do you think, in your opinion, is the least understood thing from the high school recruit and their parents' perspective um, on the recruiting process? Man, the least understood thing. That's a really good one. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deflect this for 30 seconds and say, like you said, everybody's got their dream school. I'll tell you what. 
I, I mean, I went to Skagit Valley College in Washington, small junior college, about as far north towards the border as you can go. It, I didn't have Skagit Valley College posters all over my room. I had the University of Washington. <laughs> like, that's where I wanted to go. And I wasn't sitting in my room at, 15, at 14 years old as a freshman. And back – I mean, again, I feel like I've – I was talking to one of our players. I aged myself by saying, you know, we got scouting questionnaires in letter form. Like, oh, yeah, I got mailed a questionnaire, and he just looks at me like, well, mail. Like, what's mail? I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is bad. Like, but I remember getting, you know, letters from colleges, and I was like, man, like, hey, the University of Washington sent me a letter that says you are an official prospective student athlete. You just started your junior year. We're super interested. I was like, man, like, they called me, and I got a letter. Like, man, yeah, that that was my dream school. That's where I wanted to go. Like, I'm no – and I can promise you there's not – there's probably a – very small percentage of human beings in the world that are sitting at home right now that are going to listen to this podcast and be like, man, coach is wrong. Cause I got Biola university posters all over my room. <laughs> and if that's you seriously, holler at your boy. Cause I will definitely answer that phone call, but that's just, I mean, that's the reality. Like you guys said, I mean, it, it, you gotta be, you gotta make the best of the reality of what actually you have on the table. And so I think for, uh, from a least understood recruiting thing, I think people misunderstand um, contact. I think they misunderstand, like, uh, what that means. I mean, for us, like, you know, I, I respond to every email I get, and it might be a camp invitation. It might be a, hey, sorry, we're not recruiting that position. It might be a, I look at it and, I, and it might not be me responding to you. It might be me forwarding your email to CJ or to Ben or to Ryan and be like, Hey, I like this. Like, if you like this, we need to call this kid. And that's what I think people misunderstand is that, yeah, the, the generic email is great. Like, Hey, you, you've mass blasted me. You're tagging me on Twitter or whatever. I mean, but at the same time, like I think contacting the contact as a player, like, oh, I'm just going to mass blast this and, you know, I'm going to cast my net super wide like people tell me to do. And hopefully one of them, like, hopefully I catch one fish, right? Where most schools don't recruit that way. I mean, we have a, you know, defined area that we're looking for and what we're, what we're looking for, positions we're looking for, types of kids we're looking for. So for us, it's not just like a, hey, I'm going to throw a mass net out here. And that's what I use with mass blast. I'm going to throw a mass net out here and see what happens, right? That's the bad schools recruit that way. And to me, bad players try to get recruited that way. Where I think for us, if you're going to contact coaches, there's literally, I mean, I've said it on multiple podcasts and multiple Zoom calls and multiple presentations on recruiting. There is literally a how-to book on this of like me telling you, hey, spell the coach's name right, make sure it's the right school, Make sure they have your degree, send some transcripts, send a GPA that match the transcripts, make sure your test scores are accurate, schedule, video, thank you. If you're interested, please let me know. Thank you. Have a great day. That's your 10 things. I just wrote your email for you. But I get people that butcher that so bad, and then they get all salty at me when I respond when – because for us, it's, it's almost like a coaching joke. It's an inside joke because we'll get kids that email the wrong school all the time. Happens all the time, at least twice, at least two to three times a week, at <laughs> least. And so I always forward that email to the coach at that school. And I'm always like, man, this dude looks like a baller. Like, you better recruit this guy. Like, like he is so into you that he's emailing me to let me know how into you he is. Like, that's how much he wants so to make funny. sure. Like, it, it, cause seriously, that like, it's, so cause kids are, cause kids, I mean, I, I mean, trust me, man, I'm not, I will never say I was the smartest kid at 16 years old or 17 years old ever. And I, you know, I'm still not even close to being as smart as, you know, guys that work at Chapman at 30 years old. That ain't going to happen. And I'll admit that. And you know, I'm not lab. I'm not doc. I'm not any of those guys. I'm not smart enough to fit in with those. Crew. That's why I stay over here on this side of town. But <laughs> for us, I mean, it's, you can literally get yourself not recruited by how poorly you contact coaches and by what you think is the right way for me. I'm sorry, but tagging me when you're deadlifting on Twitter is not going to get me to recruit you. <laughs> That's just not the thing. Like just stuff like that. It's like, it's, there's this eyewash idea that the more I put, you can, the more I put myself in front of people, 
And the more I email and text and call and, and tag in Twitter and Instagram, DM, whatever it is, the more I do that to a coach, the more I'm going to get recruited. When actually it's probably going to hurt you because you're just out overexposing yourself. Now I'm seeing everything. And it's like, for me, I mean, if I get a well-written email and I'm telling you right now, I, I read every email. We got a four, kid who was a 14th round draft pick out of high school that's in our program right now, transferred in from another school, that emailed me. Just a regular email. Hey, Coach Calhoun, my name is so-and-so. I'm really interested in your program. Like, transferring out, had some things happen. Really interested. If you want to holler at me, like, let me know. I read it. I called him. Checked it out. Did my homework. That's all he needed. Hey, Coach, here's my name. Here's my transcripts. Let me know what you think. Perfect. Like, it's really easy. And I think that's where people get confused with, like, hey, you know, I'm contacting. Then if you're, you know, and this is where I was naive, like, you know, I'm a freshman or sophomore in high school, and I'm getting these letters, and I'm getting, you know, some stuff. I'm getting letters from these coaches, and I got them talking to my high school coach or my club coach, and I was like, man, like, so then I would email them back and get a camp response. I'm like, man, like, what the heck? Like, I thought they liked me. Like, why am I getting a camp response? Like, I'm not going to fly to the East Coast to do a camp. Like, forget that. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm an underclassman. That's all they can do to respond back to me. That's the only thing I'm allowed to do. Mm -hmm. I can, but I think that's where the, I don't think parents understand the rules. I don't think parents understand, you know, hey, this is how this works. And to be completely transparent, I think it's a lot on the high school coaches. And I think it's a lot on travel organizations. And I think you could see different teams that have success with moving guys on. And those kids understand the rules that are in place with how recruiting works mm-hmm. and the programs that are kind of the, your shady, they don't move guys on. They got a little bit of shady stuff. There's kind of a reputation with them. Most of the time they don't understand how the rules are and their kids don't. And it shows with where they go and it shows with how they go about the recruiting process. And I could tell you, Certain teams, I don't, I know, I know, I could tell you there's about five or six teams that I recruit from on the West Coast specifically that I have never received a mass blast email from, ever. I've gotten personalized emails, though. I've gotten exactly how I tell them to write it. I mean, I have kids, like, I've met at a camp. I get kids that email me after camp, and they're like, hey, coach, like, you said this, this, this at camp. That hit home with me. I want to talk to you about coming to your school. Done. Like, that's that's a kid who took time to write a good email where it's like, hey, like, the recruiting company I'm going through is sending this out for me. Like, and I know that cause then it comes up on my email. It says, you know, sports recruiter or uh, college athlete advancement or whatever, whatever these different company feel like field level, like whatever it is. Like, I mean, we all see it. It's not like you're surprised, like you're sneaky about it. So I think that's where I, these families, I think for a lot of them, they spend a lot of money in this process for trying to get recruited. And they're getting really bad advice. And I think that honestly, that's the thing that I wish more family, I wish there was just a better system. That's something I'm trying to work with through USA baseball. And you know, even when I was, when sheets was, when, you know, Jeremy Sheetinger was with ABCA, I felt like stuff was starting to get cleaned up a little bit um, with just the communication, even between maybe high school coaches just don't know. And so I think that for me, like I try to, you know, I'm trying to find ways to help our area understand even just the greater orange County, East LA County. How do we, how do we do a better job communicating to these families and these coaches and these kids, what the recruiting schedule actually looks like. And so, I mean, for me, again, I, I am, if I wasn't a baseball coach, I wouldn't have any social media. I hate Twitter. I hate Instagram. And that's just me. And you know, if, if you go through my Twitter page, a lot of times it's literally me just retweeting the NCAA eligibility center. (laughs) It's like, Hey, like this is coming up. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. this is what we do. Like, Hey, you can save 50 bucks by sending your SAT scores to five schools of your choice during the test. Like when you go get your standardized test, if you just enter in their codes, you don't have to order them off college board and spend 80 bucks later in the year. You can save, 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 save. Like, here's a trick. Like, but parents don't know. And, and that's where, I mean, I think it's really hard. I mean, I, I wish there was a, a more unified system or like if there was like, and this is something we've talked about with USA Baseball, maybe there's a class like, hey, like it is June 1st that you're going into your junior year. Like there is now a email that gets sent out to every kid that's in the eligibility center or every kid that, you know, whatever it is. And 
just find a way like like if you played in this USA baseball event, you get this email type of thing like with the six like the uh, junior Olympics or the or the fall classic or any of those it's like hey here's here's how recruiting works here's what here's who's here's when you're allowed to be contacted here is how you can contact here's what they can do they can't do like just that way these kids can know because i mean i get it all the time it's like hey coach did you get my email question mark you're yeah you're a sophomore in high school and i sent you a camp invite back because that's what from a compliance standpoint i can do with the ncaa rules and it's like well you never responded to what you thought of my video. It's like, yeah, I can't like, I'm not allowed to dude. <laughs> like right. maybe there's guys that are, but I can't, I mean, I, we're trying to run a compliant program here at Biola. So that way, if our, if our compliance officer listens to this, he knows that. So just making sure I stay on the good graces of our coaches. So, but that's, that's my long winded soapbox. Um, what I'm going to run for election on in 2040 <laughs> and I'm standing to it. So when I try to run for the president of the ABCA, which will never happen, um, that's what I'm going to run on. So, well, I think <laughs> I think you said something really important because I think, especially now uh, in the age of social media, YouTube, just a- everything that you can potentially use, something as simple as just sending a good, thoughtful email. Uh, or making a good, thoughtful phone call goes a long way with a lot of coaches. And I think that kind of gets overshadowed by retweet everything you possibly can and send out all this video and yada, yada, yada. And I think you just said it perfectly. And and everyone listening, this is from a head coach who's been recruiting for a long time and doing, doing really well in the recruiting process. And it's just as simple as spend the time and make sure it's right. So, Callie, I think... I, there's there's a ton of stuff in this interview that I think is going to help a lot of people. Um, and that might just be the most important one out of all of it. But thank you for, for sharing everything because it was, it was all good. It was, it was a really, really great interview. Yeah, absolutely guys. I mean, Jared, Joe, I mean, you guys are doing a great job with this. I mean, I could, I think we joked about this before. I mean, I think we could probably sit and talk about this. <laughs> and ask questions and just go back and forth on this stuff for hours. I think it really could. And I mean, you know, maybe you guys are on your way to, you know, becoming a barstool sports interview type of thing. Where you guys just have like two hours. <laughs> no shot. Pardon my take. And, you know, uh, was it busting with the boys or something like that? I mean, I could see you guys running that, but no, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, this is, I think if, uh, like I've said before, I think if I'm a high school, you know, kid getting recruited or I'm a, high school if I'm a parent of a student athlete in high school and even if it's not baseball I mean if it's just anything in the recruiting process right now I think there's so many great things that you know you go through this process and you can listen to these interviews with you know I think the best ones are the ones you guys have had with the guys that are still players or the guys that have gone through it you're hearing stories and you're hearing pros and cons of it that's so important to understand in this process so great job man I mean I if you guys ever need anything you know please feel free to reach out i'd love to help you guys so appreciate it callie thanks again